Hi guys, and welcome back to Motor Up Sports. Very boring week, really not a lot of sports to talk about, but we got Grant Fogel. I'm not motored up right now. Are you? Yeah. No, you know what? Baseball, baseball didn't start. Uh, the Final Four isn't today. Uh, Hunter Dickinson didn't enter the transfer portal. You're right. So it is kind of just a, eh. It's kind of like the West Bay. It's kind of a bleh day in sports. Psych, it is certainly not. Of course, it's been craziness all week. I feel like I'm constantly trying to catch up. There's news that I'm missing, that I'm hearing, that then it feels like new news. Then everyone tells me, well, that came out last week. And I feel like that sometimes I'm lost. I'm lost at all. I'm lost in translation. But Kenny, when I talk with you, I always get caught up right up to date. And that, I think, is a part of being motored up. And when we're talking sports, and that's what we're doing, I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to have you. So the first topic and probably the only topic of the day will be Lions. And, you know, last episode I alliterated to the fact that I think they're going to draft quarterback in the top six. I, unless, you know, the more I'm hearing peeps about Jalen Carter, the more Campbell's going out and saying things about him. Maybe they're going in the Jalen Carter direction. But, I mean, I think they're going more Jalen Carter at 18 than six. Just because I don't know if teams want to take the risk at six on him. Well I, I'm not looking to take the risk at six. I think taking the risk at 18 is an automatic. I don't think to, that's like a best case scenario, right? Jalen Carter, somehow every team one through 17 is like, okay, what we've seen at the combine through what's happened since the championship is he's not worth it to us. But at 18, I think, yes, the Lions have to get their gritty little hands all over that. But at six, no, I don't want Jalen Carter. So there was a really good um point that uh, I, I I can't stand him, but he, he's a Michigan slappy. But on Woodward, uh, Ryan Armani made a good point that basically any team that's going at Jalen Carter will be a team of two first round picks because they have a fallback. Basically, I think that guy is going to be the next star in the league. I I, I truly do. I but think how not <laughs> refusing to perform at the combine. Because you're fat, that's not a good. That's just. I know you can but get the on. film at 18, you, man. I'm licking my chops at 18 and saying, I, I agree. No, the film is nasty. He is. The film is there, but doesn't you're gonna tell me that concerns you? Not that he can't unfatten himself, but doesn't that, doesn't that make you question his commitment? I I like team that's been established. We've seen guys that are committed. I'm in Ross St. Brown. Uh, I would like to think Goff is committed, and that's a whole nother conversation what to do with the quarterback position. But we, I want guys who are in and all in. I want, I'll take, I'll take more um, long haired Anzalone. Take more Anzalones. Honestly, I will take the guys. Is Jalen Carter, does he fit the, the mold of what's being built? in the Lions organization. If you think so positively, so sure, then yeah, we'll use Ryan Armani's genius idea. We'll use him as our fallback. But at six, so we might not, be, might not be here again, Kenny. But you're forgetting a line with him and Hutchinson. Oh, Lord. I mean, if he can fix his act, first off, did you see Campbell's little presser about it? No. So I said on the episode prior before the press conference, like there's no way they're going to do it. There's no way they're going to do it. But Dan Campbell said, um, somebody asked him 
about Jalen Carter and the possibility he falls six. And he said, basically, we talk to a lot of people and things are interesting. It's interesting is what he said. Meaning, ooh, do they like him? They talked to one of his friends, they said. So what so, are the odds then the Lions still maybe trade down? And when we still have that ball back, and then we, is that out of the picture? But who would what? What's the point of trading up the six if you're a team? Because all the top luxuries are off the board. A team who's maybe for sure trying to get the combination, or I don't know, maybe Eagles maybe trade up the is, six. Is well, is Anthony Richardson a top six pick? Is what? Because then in that case, if they're if someone is looking to get a quarterback. And then they need to probably trade up to six if Anthony Richardson's a top six pick. Because Bryce Young is going to be gone. C.J. Stroud is going to be gone. I don't think Will Levis is – he's not – Anthony Richardson is the third guy, right? I think Levis might be the third. I feel like this Richardson stuff's getting blown out of proportion like the Malik Willis stuff last year. The more I no, think about it. No, I, still is, think he, I still think he's a top five pick. No, but his, I don't think he's that good. He's having combine. He's having the best combine ever. Malik Willis did not. Malik Willis was having nice workouts. Dude, he can't make an outside read. He's not smart. He's a that project. Was, that was his. The, you you could say that was the talent. You could say that was the talent at Florida. They, the receivers. But he can't make an outside read. I don't want that. Like if I'm a scout and I'm watching him, I'm like, okay, yeah, he's fast. He's raw. But if I'm a team that wants to win Super Bowls. I'm not waiting three or four years for this guy to potentially come around. I feel like he's a three, four year project piece and teams. Somebody's going to take roll the dice on him. I, I guarantee it. Somebody's rolling the dice in the top five. Cause my theory is Arizona trades out of the top five. And somebody jumps to get a third quarterback to get a quarterback and your top four picks are all quarterbacks. Why, would, they, why would Arizona take Will Anderson? Arizona, they can get more draft capital to keep rebuilding. I think it would make sense for Arizona to load up more capital. Let's say they move down to number eight. They can still get a guy like potentially Tyree Wilson. Obviously not Will Anderson caliber, but let's just say hypothetically, like I think what's going to happen is the Lions will jump to three. So who would you rather have, Kyler Murray or Jared Goff? Kyler Murray. Not then at why, that price tag. Not I, at that price tag, though. Okay, then, then, then you need to be. Th- if you, then why are you settling with Jared Goff, and then not taking a quarterback at six? And if if the if the Cardinals see, are going to down, okay. Well, see, this is this is what I'm going to say. Oh, uh, this is how I'm talking to Jared Goff right now. If I'm trying to figure out what I want to do with him moving forward, I keep reiterating every episode this one stat that really sticks with me and I think is pretty much stuck with a lot of the listeners is there's been three quarterbacks in our entire life. We're 21, 22 years old. We've seen three quarterbacks in our life win a Super Bowl with 12% of the cap eating up or more. And the three quarterbacks are Tom Brady, Pat Mahomes, and Peyton Manning. Jared Goff can't even be put close to that conversation. This is how I'm negotiating with them. Because realistically speaking, he's walking in if he wins 10 games this year, nine games. He does what he did last year or does more. He's walking into Holmes' office saying, hey, I'm a $50 million quarterback. Either you pay me or I'm gone. So right now, this is my conversations with Goff if I'm I'm Holmes. I'm coming in before the draft, and I'm saying, look, we're going to give you 35 mil. We're not going to fully guarantee it, but we're going to give you most of it guaranteed, okay? 
We're going to give you a four-year deal, 35 a year. So you're not eating up our entire cap. And we're going to promise you the last piece of the O-line. We're going to get you Peter Skronsky at number six. The fan base would explode. You give him one more piece to his O-line and you say, hey, Jared, you have the best line in the league. You have top receivers across the board. And you have a great run game. You're not finding that anywhere else. You can take the $35 million a year and have the best offense set up for you in football for the next four years. Or, hey, go to a team like Vegas or go to a team like Atlanta. And if he says, well, I don't want my 50 mil, then we're drafting a quarterback at six or 18 and replacing him. That's how I'm negotiating with him. I like that. I like that. But, Kenny, that's one year from now. That's a year from now. What are we going to do today? What are we going to do? Because I agree. That is, I think, I like that. And I almost, I want to fast forward to them, but without skipping this season. I Yes, I want to hurry that. I'm locking them up before the season even starts going forward. Too bad, Jared. Too bad, Jared. You you told you turned down a perfect situation going forward. Do you think do you think that's already happened? Do you think there's know. a chance conversations already happened with Jared Goff or Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell and Jared Goff have all sat in the same room and they laid it all out and they said, Okay, Jerry, um, this is what we're gonna give. We're gonna get you another lineman, like you said. We're gonna keep keeping you secure in that pocket, giving you weapons, giving you dogs, complete dogs. Amon Ross St. Brown. We got David Montgomery now. We got Swift coming back. 35 mil is the number. Mm-hmm. That's Gio's money. Then Brad Holmes, do it now and let us know. I don't, ah, I just, this is, so this is, it's like, it reminds me right now, this period when we're in up until the draft, until like, it's kind of like, a, it's like a being, it's like the beginning ages of puberty where everything's real confusing and you're like, oh, I don't really know what's going to happen next. You're like, I'm just really uncomfortable in my own skin. Like, I just don't like, like my hairs are, there's hairs in spots. I wasn't used to be not hairs. Everything is just, but then it, it smooths out. But I'm just like in that awkward, I'm in that awkward phase. I am too. I, I think it's, Nobody knows. Like that that's what's crazy about this draft. And it's different like than Mayhew when you knew he was walking to the podium and you knew he was gonna fuck up the pick. Or you knew Quinn was gonna walk to the podium and he was gonna try to outsmart everybody with a guy like Jahavi Vitai or T Stabor. You know, those are the epitome picks. Or Rod Davis. Or J- another epitome pick of that era. I mean, it's kind of nice walking in the draft night. Like, hey, we actually like know what we're doing or at least they're appearing like it right now that's they're appearing like it you're right i think jury's still out but you're right they're appearing like it everything is i i I like marvin jones coming back i know Mm -hmm. people it's sad to lose shark and probably in comparison um shark is i i can't even shark is probably the better receiver Mm. but but who's gonna be more productive like when you said when you're that when you're that third receiver, you're only getting so many looks a game. You're only getting so many targets, especially when we're hoping Jamison Williams turns out to be a star. And we got him and Ross St. Brown, and we're gonna hopefully our tight end will be able to pass and catch the ball. Also, I mean, root block and catch the ball. Also, you but, see, Jamo is like I, I just feel like the fan base is setting their expectations just so high with him. 
to the point where it's just like, I think the expectations are going, I'm going to make an argument are You're right. higher for him than Spencer Torkelson's expectations rookie season for him. I, and no. I think they're so high that like when he doesn't do what I think the fan base thinks he's going to do it, it I mean, between his attitude and everything, which people just don't like his cockiness. I love it personally. I think it's great. And I think it's you need that in football, but if he's not putting up the numbers, the fan base will get really pissed no, I, at him with his antics. I'm guilty of it. I'm feeding into this narrative already of, oh, he's got to be a star. He's got to be a star. He's got to be that. He's got to. And you're right. That might actually just be a bunch of hoopla because I'm talking myself out of this. I'm a little concerned about Jameson Williams, actually, because you're right. Yeah. Uh, well, actually, what have we seen? I mean, there was the, the one huge reception. That was awesome. That was exciting. But why wasn't he getting – I know he was injured for the first, what was it, nine weeks, but didn't really see him as much as we thought we would. So you know why that was, right? Campbell kind of alluded to it a little bit in the offseason and towards the end of the regular season. He just wanted him to get used to game speed in the NFL. Like that was his sole purpose on the field was to get game speed experience for next year, which is like – it's interesting to me that they're doing it that way. I, I think it yeah, makes sense. Dan Campbell, the same guy who made them wear pads on the first day. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. And remember in Hard Knocks? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, well, he could have done the slow down or we'll work our way into it process. But he's like, no, guys, I want to get you game ready. Game re- Getting you game speed ready is playing at game speed. Is getting him in. So I hope, actually, if anything, maybe I'm not worried about Jameson Williams. I'm worried about how's Dan Campbell going to utilize Jameson Williams. He's but it's like that it's Marvin Jones back there as well is where he we can know, okay, we have a, another reliable receiving option. And Josh Reynolds is back also. Yeah, I think. And you still have, what's his face? Um, The receiver, Cleef Freeman. Khalif Raymond's still there? Still, yep. You still have Khalif Raymond next year, too. So, it, it, yeah. of course, pretty stacked, man. Like, Khalif Raymond and, yep. and Josh Reynolds actually were pretty damn good four and fives. And they stepped yep. in and were playing receiver one and two at one point they and yeah. looked yeah. decent. Like, they actually looked like good receivers out there. Oh, um, I, I think the other thing that – I was kind of annoyed by this segment, and I'm curious to hear – I'm going to steal the segment from Woodward – I'm kind of annoyed by the segment. I'm curious what you think of this. Are Lions fans setting their expectations too high? I don't personally think so. I think winning big games down the stretch, I think that winning them in convincing fashion against good teams warrants high expectations. Is winning the expect- big games should warrant expectations. Is the expectation over nine and a half wins? Ten. Ten want- wins? Ten. No, that's not too high. That's not too high because you expect your team to progress. You don't expect it. I don't want to see a lateral movement. If they finish at nine wins again, I'll be bumped. Like, even if we, even if we're second in, like, ah, even if, I don't know. Okay. I won't be bummed if that's a wild card spot because who knows what the NFC, because I don't know if it's going to be a big brawl. It's just a big bully fest. Everyone's just going to beat up on each other. And we're going to have a bunch of nine and eight teams like we did last year where it was like a bunch of bubble teams. Mm-hmm. Or 
will the Lions struggle in the NFC North, but then get wins outside of the division? I think you got to have 10 wins. No, that's not, that's not an unfair expectation. Let me just read you the Lions home games next year. I mean, you're going to be like, oh my Lord, like they, they should run the table at home. And I know it's unrealistic. Like they'll probably lose one or two of them, but they, they should at least win six home games next year. You obviously get the division. You obviously get the division at home, but I mean, look, they, they literally get Atlanta. Win. Carolina. Maybe not. Vegas. Those are Seattle. Those are your home games outside of the division. You're telling me they can't take six or seven of those games? I mean, come on. No, I think they can take – yes, I think – yeah, I think they they win the majority of those games. I think they lose to Carolina. I think – You think they lose again to Carolina this year? Oh, I do. I do. I think – I don't know. I think – I just I don't like the fact that Deuce Staley's over there. No, me either. I don't like it. It's like it feels like he's insider trading. Is he going to give them information about you know what I mean? But that's the that's this league. That is this league. That's what looking back on it. I remember talking on this podcast about when T.J. Hawkinson got traded, and how that really felt like a low point, where. That was right around after the one and six. We're thinking like all hope is lost. Yeah. And then what do you know? We come out of the darkness. They just don't 180 again. Do not 180. You already 180 in the right direction. Don't 180 again. You got, we just need to progress. No lateral movements either. 10 wins shouldn't be the expectation. It should be 11 wins. Really? Wow. I, 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 I I don't know. I, I want to see the full schedule, but Aaron Rodgers out of Green Bay. Minnesota, I don't think they have a clue what's going on there. The Bears still in rebuilding. I don't care. I don't care if Chase Claypool and they got who else and whoever. A bunch of linebackers. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. And they traded. They got um Carolina's receiver, DJ Moore. Right. Don't care. Don't care. Just don't care. This is... Yeah, this is going to be focused. Spotlight's going to be on the Lions. It's going to be all Lions. It's going to be the, for the Lions to lose, I think. It's going to be for the Lions to lose. I agree. And I think this is like – this season, I think, is like the biggest season. And I'm going to make an argument probably in franchise history because this season is either going to push you into the Super Bowl contender for the next three or four years or the season's going to deflate the fan base so yep. hard to the point that they have pitchforks and knives outside of Allen Park. Of calling that every year too. It's every year you have to call. This is the biggest year of the franchise. Mm-hmm. Or it's a bust. Or it's a bust. You gotta win ten. I or just want one more win. And, and if they even go nine and eight and somehow win the division or get into the playoffs, fine. Just get to the playoffs. Anything less than a playoffs appearance is a failure to me. And I think you're just so much better everywhere. I think the one position that they're gonna. I just have this feeling they're going to get everything they want on draft night and more. Like, I just feel like they're going to be so aggressive. They have the most capital. They have five picks in the top 91. Like, it just feels like they're setting this up to just move all over the place and get every single player they ever wanted. You nailed on the head with all so much information moving, hearing this, hearing that. The only thing we have as fans 
in these moments in these early puberty stages where everything's awkward the only thing we have is our feelings mm-hmm. what we feel might happen what we think it's not even a matter of thinking because you're right it's a more of a matter of a feeling and i mm-hmm. also do i don't know exactly what's going to happen at six but i have a feeling it's going to be good I have a feeling, and I have a feeling it's going to be good at 18, and I have a feeling it's going to be good at round two, pick 77, or whatever it's at. What You know what I mean? It's, I have, it's only a feeling, but it's a good one. Yeah. And this is going to be the most, I think this is the most fun offseason I've had so far as a Lions fan of my life. I did not expect this coming in. You know, the whole thing I thought was okay. They're going to sign one corner, maybe bring in a linebacker if we're lucky and just re-sign everybody and run it back. That was kind of the last thing I expected. And I don't know if you know this, they still have the third most cap space to play with coming in the draft night. They have 22 mil in the bank just to play with. They might I, end up getting a star linebacker on draft Brad Holmes, no, it's, it's fair to say Brad Holmes is cooking. He, cooking. Is, definitely, he, is, he is cooking something delicious. Some, some nice meaty steak, side of mashed potatoes and asparagus, and it's going to taste bomb yes it is but i'm going to conclude this episode today grant thanks for hopping on on saturday ready to get rolling for the final four tonight and who do you got for both games i kept saying the whole tournament don't underestimate sdsu i thought they were going to get bounced to bama on a close one not not a million years i thought they'd be here uh i think defensively they're a nightmare they will slow you down FAU, I mean, you've seen it. They're a very athletic team that San Diego State can play well against. They defend the perimeter pretty well. They're 10 men deep. We've seen this in the past. The teams that have 10 guys typically get to the championship game. They have 10. I think they. it's a very damn close game, but SDSU gets to the chip, and they're going to play the hottest team in the country, UConn, and then UConn's just going to wipe SDSU in the natty. I have a feeling. I had a feeling. I had a feeling. But since this is a based on feelings podcast, I had a feeling that you were also going to do the same as me, and I think the world's got to be on them, right? Like every, mm-hmm. the majority of the money's got to be on San Diego State and UConn, right? Uh, we'll see. We'll see. What's your picks? I, I I like the same thing. I like the exact same thing. I yeah. will. Thanks, Grant, and see you guys Monday recapping the Final Four and more Lions talk, so see you guys then.